What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Martian and Ozzy podcast. This week, we are back to preview this weekend's UFC pay-per-view going down from Madison Square Garden. And just like always, the UFC is bringing a really stacked card to MSG this weekend. Good card, top to bottom, a really good pay-per-view card. And just a lot of intriguing, closely lined betting matchups here. We're looking forward to this weekend. And uh, looking forward to breaking it down with my man, Ozzy, as always. How are we doing this week, my man? I'm back. This week, had a little... You know, uh, off week. Uh, you know, last week. Uh, but I no, took no, a good. No, no, you were here last week, bro. I here last week. I was yeah, in here yeah. the week it was before. Two weeks that. ago. Yeah. Either way, I've been recharging. I've been ready because obviously the card is in my backyard. Um, and I'm always, you know, super excited. I, I usually go this. Uh, this one, I'm. I got a fucking it's potluck. I mean, it's whatever. Not going. <laughs> um, I still watch the card. Not going. Watch. I watch it live. Not going. Um, but I've always had a lot of success, honestly, on the UFC cards. First time we ever did a podcast was uh, Masvidal versus Nate Diaz card, and amazing. Um, and every literally every card I've ever had uh, for MSG, I'm pretty sure went really, really well. Um, and yeah, I really like all the matchups here, and you know I think it builds pretty well up to the main event and a lot of competitive fights, intriguing uh, overall, and definitely. It seems like there's some a lot of consensus, but there is like you know line movement other ways. So I think you know there's a lot of a lot of great fights, and I think it'll be a good night of action for sure. That's a good point. I think it was about four years ago we talked about the the two forty four. I think it was. Um, that was the first time we ever did a podcast back on the Martian MMA days. Now we're in the Martian and Aussie days. You know. So um, before we get into week though we recap last week it was a, a decent week for me 1.5 units profit um you know the uh the minner and shaw fight you know fixed fight we lost on that gtd there definitely should have you know hedged out once i realized what the fuck was going on uh and candelario lost as well uh, but you know dawson uh came through ulan bekov finished bautista sub and i threw a little late bet on uh rodriguez limos to start round three which cashed by the skin of my teeth a little bit there uh, obviously, with that fight finishing, you know, just a minute in around three. So uh, happy to take the small profit there. Uh, what about you, Ozzy? I'm just over two and a half. Just uh, that card was so forgettable. Like, I didn't even watch it other than the Grand Dawson fight. That's my boy. But um, that card was so forgettable that I forgot that I even did a podcast for it last week, which is hilarious. <laughs> um, but yeah, it, just, it was just like, kind of like a weird. That card and then next week's card. <laughs> next week's card is really trash. Um, I might have to take a break on that one too. Um, yeah, you know, I, maybe I should have just went fucking five units on Grant, bro. Like, like I said, I'm like Grant Dawson is not losing to Marco Matson. Like, I just did not see how it was possible. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think I was kind of looking forward more to this card. But let's finish. Let's try to finish this year out strong. Hasn't been strong overall. Um, definitely a a, a big dip. But, uh, you know, we'll keep chopping away. We got some be good Bellator cards coming up. A lot of, you know, title fights, five rounders, and, you know, in the lower weight classes, which which I think we'll do good on. Um, And, yeah, let's uh, let's get after it this week, though. Yeah, I mean, Ozzy was banging that uh, that drum uh, for Grant Dawson for, I think, five years almost. I remember back in the day, Ozzy, we were tweeting back and forth about how I was saying, like, Grant Dawson got lucky to end up on top of Trezano and, like, yeah, yeah, Trezano yeah, yeah, would yeah. beat him in a rematch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I have to admit that that was probably a little off. What I was telling you, bro, I'm like, yo, that, but... come on, bro. There's no way this guy's going to, 
like that fight wasn't gonna get on the ground. Like this guy's a net. Like he hasn't even lost. Like he doesn't lose. Does not lose. Yeah. I, I slowly did top gain. I slowly did gain some some confidence and respect for him over the past few fights, and did uh, bet him on his past too. But the dude's a fucking animal. Uh, you know, really one of the best grapplers in all the UFC right now. Um, and you know, he's durable on the feet. He knows how to shoot takedowns at the right times. He can chain takedowns together. And once he gets on top, I mean, like you like to say, he is an absolute truck and this dude is going to be a, a hard, hard fight for pretty much everyone in the lightweight division. Absolutely. Everyone. I think, I feel like, you know, identifying these prospects, like you're seeing that people that are cashing nice on Kyle Bahayo, right? Every one of his fights has been kind of like, you know, minus 200, 180. I don't, I don't remember all of them, but they've all been very bettable. Even the Jesse Murray fight, which <laughs> in hindsight is insane. But, um, you know, identifying some of these really, really top prospects where, you know, they're getting some competitive, like look at Johnny Munoz Jr. last week. So identifying him, you know, obviously he lost the fight, but identifying these guys and then trying to see where you could kind of press press the button and keep, keep, uh, keep attacking is, I think, a really, really good spot where you're, you know, you're getting, especially when you just see a guy that's clear top tier like Grant, and clearly not top tier like Marco Madsen. You know, I think last week it was a lot of fights like that though, like Tagir, Bautista, Munoz, even Jake Hadley, I guess, for the Brits. You know, the Brits have faith in pros and fighters until they, you know, are cut. Um, but yeah, definitely, definitely a good uh, good thing. So looking for my next Grant Dawson. I'm on the I'm I'm on the search. So see where where where, where he comes from. It's a young Japanese man by the name of Tatsuru. That was another one. We were on that. We were on that one where you know, it's really good. Like these prospects, dude, a lot of times, like it's almost like Bellator. You see how like Bellator or whatever, how they match them up. UFC, they don't match them up like that. Like they're obvious squash, squash matches. But a lot of times they end up being because the other guy, the guy is just so good. You know what I mean? Like it's like a very de big delineation point between when you're like a top 25 guy. And then when you're like a clear top 15, top 10 guy, I think there's a lot of value to be had. Yep, I feel that. And uh, last week, like you were saying, a lot of kind of wide matchups. You know, this week, uh, one fight in the minus 300 range, one fight in the 400 range. Everything else is pretty closely lined here. You know, we're looking at, you know, 65%, 70% or less for about 12 of these fights. So a lot of closely lined fights. They're best to be made, and there are a lot of good matchups. I mean, just intriguing fights. Top to bottom, I really think every one of these fights is, like, actually intriguing, and I'm looking forward to it. So, really I just hope everyone. I just hope everyone makes weight. That's true, yeah. Um, last week was a rough one for that. But um, we'll start things off. Uh, late heavyweight division, Nikolaou Nergamanu taking on Carlos Olberg. The odds for this one, Olberg minus 130, Nergamanu plus 110. So I've been thinking about this fight a lot this week. And um, I, I have a good allegiance to Nikolaou. He's been a good money train so far in the UFC. And I've been a little more skeptical of Olberg, but I, I think that I got to kind of get away from my biases here a little bit because um, Nerogumano, he's got a huge head, right? He's not fast. He doesn't have good defense. And Olberg is going to land straight punches and all types of strikes on uh, on Nikolau while he's fresh. And I think Nikolau really has to put a pressure on Olberg and, and slow him down late in the fight and eventually get the fight to the floor. I just don't really see the fight favoring uh, Nikolau as long as the fight is standing. So. If you're confident in Nikolau to wrestle and you're confident in his wrestling ability, I could see backing him here. But, uh, you know, there are times where versus Kennedy, you know, he's chilling in at range. He's not really 
pushing a pace. He did attempt to take down right away against uh, Ehor in his last fight, but it took him, you know, 90 seconds to get Ehor down, and he really had to drag that one out. So uh, I'm interested to see this one, how it's going to play out. If Nikolaou comes out wrestling from round one, he has a real good shot to win. But if he comes out trying to strike and he gives Olberg that distance, Olberg in the big cage, and, uh, you know, style on him on the feet. So. It's a pretty accurate line. I do have Olberg here as a, a slave favorite. And I honestly think um, I think it might be a pass for me. I, I have, I'm have i just going back and forth on this one all week, and I can't pick an official side. So um, what, what are you thinking here? Yeah, this is a good fight to start off the card. You know, two guys that, you know, picking up wins in the UFC. Obviously, I don't think Manu has lost yet. Um, or did he? I don't know. It's like 13-1. and one. Safarov, yeah, yeah. Safarov. So, yeah, so he's got double the fights of Olberg. Um, and he comes in like, you know, the last fight against Ehor, I thought it was pretty impressive because like, I just like seeing when guys have like a lot of intent on their strikes. Like, I don't like this pitter patter, like dudes throwing bullshit ass jabs that aren't hurting anybody. Like, let's go. Like, you know, you, you've, if you are in there for 15 minutes, not that long of a time, like you got to make these strikes count. Um, you know, Olberg, I think he's going to be on moving backwards, which I think is the, the thing that, um. I mean, he could potentially be on the front foot like he was against Kennedy early. But I think it's there's some potential for Nergomanu just with his style and, you know, how he, like the energy that he brings in um, to be very much in the front foot and maybe be able to um, to get the clinch game going uh, quicker than, than expected. I know, you know, we were talking and, you know, in the Kennedy fight, he was, you know, complacent in the second round to be, you know, at range. But Kennedy, I mean, he's got four more inches of reach and, or seven more inches of reach, I think, than even Olberg has. Um, and Nergomano has sneaky reach. He actually has a reach advantage here against Olberg. And you saw in the in the in, um, Tafan fight, Olberg kind of tentative, doesn't really throw too many power strikes out early. So we'll see. I think Nergomano could get some stuff going here. I think I will also pass on it because Olberg does have that power and it's not easy to find. It's not hard to find um, uh, Nicole, Nick, um, you know, on the chin. So. I do think Oberg should be the favorite, but I don't think there's huge value on this line just because Oberg hasn't fought well too much over three rounds. Um, grappling is suspect. A Never bit. been on his back. Yeah, grappling is suspect. You haven't seen him on his back. Um, and Nergomanu, from what I'm, from my understanding, he's pretty solid in that training room over at Extreme Couture. Like, he's working hard. He's definitely improving. I think he's been there now uh, maybe 10 months or a year. So good, fi- good fight to start off the night. I'd, I think I'll pass unless, you know, we get a big uh, Nergumanu uh, number, but maybe an interesting live bet uh, fight as well. I agree. Great and, fight to start the card. And one thing, too, to note, like the prop market is consistent all over, you know, between some of the books, the you know, U.S. books and offshores, big difference all over the place. Like, you know, they got, you know, doesn't go the distance at one offshore, minus 175. You know, U.S. books minus three hundred, Oberg decision plus four twenty, pretty. I think that's that's a pretty decent line. I think overall, but uh, but yeah, overall probably gonna be a pass for me. But I I I kind of lean uh Nergomanu as this line climbs, if it climbs. Mm. I'm I'm leaning leaning Oberg here. Um, but uh, I think it's not gonna be a bet. But yeah, great fight to start off the car. Another great fight next in the bantamweight division. Uh, Montel Jackson taking on Julio Arce. Jackson minus 200. Arce plus 170. Arce will have the New York crowd behind him in this matchup. This will be a big one. 
Uh, great fight. Interested to hear your thoughts on this one. Love this fight. Uh, Arce definitely, you know, asked to be on this card here. Um, and, and I, I think it's a solid fight. You know, this is Southpaw versus Southpaw here. You know, Montel, obviously very, very talented, has not been active overall, though, in the last, uh, you know, few years. Obviously, he came in, all the talk was how big the guy's hands were and how he was like an Olympic hopeful, Greco-Roman and all this stuff. Hasn't translated amazing overall. Obviously, in all his fights, he has great moments. Like, you know, he's either clobbering you with a punch, he's hitting some great takedowns, like dropping you, you know. The guy has some sort of success in every fight thus far. Um, but a little bit still unproven. Um, you know, last fight against JP Buys, where you know Buys actually took him down. You know, he's a 125er, you know, was able to take a lot of the shots. You know, Arce is getting a little up there in age, but the guy is so crafty, you know, is able to fight on the back foot. You saw that against Daniel Santos, how he was able to control range um and control the fight a bit versus a guy who we saw has a you know pretty good pressure game against Casaneda, unfortunately. But yeah, you know, Arce, former Golden Gloves uh boxer champion, obviously, you know, whatever, but his boxing is obviously good. He's got good jujitsu. His, his ground game is very good. Um, you know, but I'm skeptical of actually both guys, um, weight-wise and Conditioning wise, maybe later. I, I I trust Arce, you know, conditioning overall. Um, but I, I I like Arce, you know, in this fight a bit. Obviously, I do think Montel should be the the, the rightful favorite. But my issue is, I don't know if he's gonna be able to go to the wrestling as much as he has in these other fights, just because Arce, former one forty five er, jitsu black belt, and uh, very very good with the transitions on the ground. So I kind of like Arce here. I actually like Arce ITD as well. Maybe uh, split it mm -hmm. a little bit just to get a little bit more value out of this. Just because I think Montel, he's going to have some moments. You know, he might stun Ar Like, he might even stun Arce. Like, a lot a lot could happen in this fight where I think either Montel could slow down and Arce, you know, has a good gas tank to push. And he he, he does step on the pedal if he has someone hurt. You saw in that Peter P Pettis fight. I don't, I don't know if I'm pronouncing his name right. But could be a little similar striking style to, to, to Montel. Some Muay Thai, you know, throws elbows and a lot of knees and kicks and stuff. Um, you know, Arce was able to walk him down as the fight went on. So, you know, I, I think mixing those two, solid. Um, but, yeah, I'm, I'm interested in this fight. I think it should be a very good one. They got no scorecards, too, at uh, plus 200 for Arce, which is way off, in my opinion. Like, the, the best guys that, that Jackson has finished uh, is Brian Kelleher. And, like, he went to decision with Sukum Todd and JP Buys and uh, somebody else who's not good as well, Philippe Kolarth. You know, like, come on, this guy's not a, a big finisher. I mean, he he might catch you with some big stop, shots, but, like, once he has you hurt, the J.P. Vives fight proved that he's not good at finding that that finish. So him being, you know, minus 285 in the no scorecards market is pretty off. And uh, I agree, the, the, the ITD plus 550 for Arce seems a bit off, too, because I think that Arce could hurt him on the feet. I, I truthfully believe Arce is the better striker. And... Jackson, you know, shooting his his takedowns, he he doesn't come. Uh, he said Greco-Roman. He's not like exactly coming from a freestyle background, so he doesn't have the the most perfect takedown attempt. So I could see uh, him maybe leaving his neck out there and getting caught of some sort too. So I think Arce could finish him either way in this fight, and I think he's uh, you know the money line side. I mean, unless we're really um discounting jackson's wrestling and he might just be able to, to body him in the grapple and use his size advantage and out wrestle arce here um that that's the only way i see him you know the striking is gonna look competitive 
probably going to look like Arce is the favorite because, I mean, this guy's a really good striker. We, we, we saw how good and dangerous of a guy Daniel Santos was in that last fight versus Castaneda. Castaneda had trouble, you know, putting the finishing touches on that win. Arce didn't have trouble at all, man. He pitched a shutout, 30-27, great win for Arce there in his last fight. And uh, Arce is pretty good against fellow Southpaws as well. So I think this line is off. I think Arce is the side. I'll be on him for, I'd say, about a unit. Um, and uh, that's going to move us along. Next fight, another Tiger Showman guy, another New York guy, Mike Trezano taking on Sungwoo Choi in this one. Choi is the favorite, minus 162. Trezano plus 142. So I, I like Trezano, but man, I think that he really has trouble putting putting it all together and putting it in good performances in the UFC because he's a skilled fighter uh, on the feet. He's not a bad grappler overall as well. It's just he, he lacks a little bit of intensity and aggression in some of these fights, and that's why he's uh, you know struggled to pick up some wins. And I, I think that this is just a bad matchup for him with Choi because Trezano, I don't think he's going to have much success grappling here. Choi is not the best grappler, but he, he's big. He... Uh, I just think will be a little difficult to take down. He's he's just not a bad grappler, but he's fought some some tough guys like uh, you know obviously Evloev and stuff who have taken him down. Gavin Tucker out grappled him, uh, but I don't think Trezano's wrestling is that much of a threat. So this fight should stay on the feet, and I think the Choi is just a more dangerous striker of the two for uh, for one. I think he throws a little bit more volume, uh, and I'm watching this fight. You know, Trezano got clipped with the left hook from uh, Almeida twice in their fight got dropped in the second and third round eventually finished with that left hook and Choi has got a nasty left hook he he was able to put Arosa out with that left hook and I just think that these guys are probably going to uh, trade in the pocket with one another and we saw Choi you know eat some bombs from Cooley Bow he did get dropped he got hurt but he had good recoverability he was able to you know get stunned and later he got his wits back him and he's you know right back to, to fighting so i just think that the durability and the, the striking favorite Choi here and i don't give trezano a big grappling edge here so i think Choi is, is good juice i bet him for uh 1.55 units and i think he's going to pick up the victory what, what about you yeah i didn't bet on this fight um i think if i uh i'm trying to look find a prop here but you know these aren't like the, this kind of fight i don't love being it too much where like a fight where Probably stays up on the feet for the most part. Um, and I feel these guys are kind of even-ish on the feet in terms of, like, how they strike. Like, Choi definitely has more power. But I think overall, like, shot selection, both of them, going to cater towards a close fight or closer fight. Um, if I like Trezano, which I don't actually, is what I'm saying. Like, if I'm just saying what side I like, I think I would definitely, I wouldn't bet Trezano. Unless I got like, you know, maybe like plus 175, 180. So I, that would mean I should be on Choi. But I just, something about Choi sometimes with like his tactics in there and like how he kind of lets, he doesn't really, you know, push the fight all that much. And that's why I think this fight going the distance might be the best, uh, the best side. I know, you, you know, obviously Trezano got knocked out, whatever. But Choi's not that great of a finisher, I feel like, you know, he just, there's something off with the guy. I don't really like him. Um, but I think Trezano's submission, 14 to 1, or, or you know, whatever you could get, you know, uh, obviously higher than that would be preferred. I think, you know, he he has some submission game. Um, so, you know, maybe you do a little sprinkle on that if you're betting him on the money line just because that's a big prop there. But uh, but I think I'm going to pass on this fight. But if I had to make a bet, I would bet Choi. 
All right, so that's going to move us along to the next fight, which is a women's fight, one of two women's fights on the card. Uh, strawweight division, Carolina Kovalkiewicz versus Silvana Gomez-Juarez, the odds of this one. Uh, kind of back and forth all week, uh, KK minus 115. Um, SGW, or SGJ minus 105. Uh, we got some names in this one. Silvana Gomez-Juarez, Carolina Kovalkiewicz. Kind of a binary matchup. Uh, you can You can go first on this one. This fight I do have a bet on, uh, and I bet Carolina Kovalkiewicz minus one hundred five, um, and I, you know it's just overall Carolina. I think last performance obviously I think was solid. Overall, you know she's just like a pretty steady girl, and I think that the style that she has in terms of the striking is going to be able to either keep her a little bit of safe from Silvana, you know, throwing those hammers out um, and bringing those hammers with her, obviously, um, in the first round. But I think once KK is able to implement some stuff like, you know, or Silvana slows down a little bit because she's a big girl for 115. She used to fight at 125. Obviously, she's got some extra weight that she carries around as well. Not easy for her to make 115. Um, and I think once KK could get inside and use the clinch to her advantage, throwing the knees, pulling on the head, maybe, you know, get into a double leg or, you know, a takedown at some point. You know, I think she's just a way better grappler on the ground. Got great cardio as well. You know, I think we remember her that ass whooping that Yan Shanan put on her. But overall, KK is a pretty solid fi fighter for the female division. Um well-rounded enough, I think, to be able to avoid some of these big strikes that Silvana throws. Like, she doesn't have Nalian kind of defense or even um, your girl, Vanessa Demopoulos. Like, she she stays a bit safer on the feet, I think, than either of those two girls. So I think it'll be easy, harder for Silvana to work that power punching game in. I don't trust her over three rounds. I do trust Karolina Kovalkiewicz more. And it's a women's MMA fight, so I'm expecting some ground, uh, some ground action, and I think Carolina will have a big advantage there. So, Carolina, not a huge bet, but I like her at the minus 105 number. Yeah, I mean, not much to add. You hit all the points. I agree completely. I mean, this fight is going to be competitive on the feet. You got to think Gomez has the the powerage, but still, the much there's hours more footage of Carolina actually striking with women. She's good in the clinch. And I think all the grappling upside here really lies with her. And with her winning her last fight via grappling, I think we'll probably see this fight go to the floor and see Carolina looking good. So I think people are just overreacting to the Juarez knockout over, you know, Liang, who sucks. And I think, yeah. Liang might be, just, like you said, the worst fighter they ever, ever had in the yeah. UFC. Top, top, top 10 worst fighters ever. I mean, just a complete role player. And, uh, you know, I feel bad for the woman, honestly. I really feel like she didn't know what she was getting into. Like, they were like, hey, let's go to America for a martial arts competition. And she was just like, wait, it's in a cage? Um, and she thought she was doing katas. She thought she was doing katas. Yeah, like, she she, she she did not consent to that. So, um, poor Naliang. But, uh, yeah, Carolina will be the side in this one. Uh, next fight, another another New York hometown fighter, Matt Frivola, the steamroller, taking on Adam and Azaitar. Uh, who's coming off long, long layoff. Azaitar is the favorite, minus 135 for Vola, plus 115. So in the past just 24 hours, big action coming in on Azaitar. Seems to be a popular uh, favorite as of late. And uh, we'll see where this line goes. See, there, there could be that 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 uh, that Bahrain money continuing to pour in on Ottoman. You guys know how it is in Bahrain. I think that's where this guy's from. No, he's from Morocco, but whatever. Um, 
Friends with so, the king. He's friends with the king. Exactly. Yeah, some princes, kings, oligarchs, you know, they're all throwing it. They're actually down on bet online for sure. But, um, you know, another very binary matchup, right? We, you got Ottoman, who is, uh, you know, the more powerful puncher, uh, who is, you know, probably knockout or bust in this fight. And then Frivola, who uh, is, you know, a wrestler who's going to really have this fight at, in his favor when the fight's on the floor now. I think Frivola can have some success standing. You know, it's not unfathomable to imagine Frivola landing some own big punches. I mean, the guy loves trading in the pocket. He, you know, he's decent offensively. He's just not good defensively. And then he just, he just gets chaotic in there, man. It's like whenever the pace of the fight um, goes up, he, he just loses a lot of composure. You saw that against that bum, Geraldo Valdez. Uh, I mean, Frivola was whooping was his ass, sick. but he. <laughs> Just the ass whooping of the year, almost. I mean, this referee is like this guy got dropped five times in one round, Definitely and Frivola's yeah. pounding him with ground and pound after the fifth knockdown, and the refs like, "Move, fighter!" Like, bro, fight. the fight is over. The fight is over. Um, so he's back yeah. against my boy Natan soon. I know that's going to be an electric matchup. Um, but like this one, this one seems like uh, how urgently will Frivola wrestle? If he comes out and shoots a takedown 30 seconds in, he's probably going to win the fight and look like a big favorite. If he comes out and stands in the pocket and trades with Ottoman, he's probably going to get hurt and knocked out. So you might be better off waiting to live bet Frivola here. Uh, but there's also a possibility, like I was just saying, he might take him down in 30 seconds and look like the favorites. If you have faith in Frivola to wrestle, to use uh, his IQ to put this fight in his favor, you know, he, he'll, he's a good dog and I truthfully believe he will. I think he will wrestle. I don't think he's going to come out. Uh, I, he has come out swinging in his, some of his recent fights, like the Valdez fight, but he knows this is a different matchup. He knows Ottoman's a dangerous striker. This fight was booked, uh, way, way back in January of 2021. So he knows what this guy brings to the table. And I think he'll come in with his wrestling shoes and he'll, uh, he'll show, uh, an all American wrestling clinic in New York. So hopefully the steamroller pulls it off. You saying Ottoman is just taking me back to when I was like 15 in fucking world history class. But, Vampire, um, right. That's right. EP, son. Guns, 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 and steel. Um, any <laughs> book that I read that year. Uh, so I, I don't know shit about Ottoman. Nothing. Like, I mean, this guy, he's got, there's some tape on him, obviously. But the thing is, like, I don't know what the hell this guy's been up to. Um, and he's just so weird. Like, I feel like he's not crazy bad. Because I, you know, I watched a few of his fights and like, yeah, like you said, he got taken down a few times. I think we were talking about it. But, you know, Matt Frivola, you know, he's very well-rounded. You're very well-rounded. If he had any composure at all, he would win a lot more fights. But like, you know, some guys say that he's got, like the guy's got the striking, you know, the power of Nganu, the fucking wrestling of Gamrot, and the jujitsu of fucking, you know, Matt Serra Black Belt, whatever. So he should be a pretty good fighter, right? Um, but like you said, no composure sometimes just gets cut. But the thing is, like, I think people are like thinking so much about the Terrence McKinney <laughs> knockout when it's like, bro, like, what do you do? Like, it's a seven second fight. Like, you might as well not even pay attention to it. Um, but otherwise than that, like the guy's been pretty solid in his UFC career. He's definitely wrestled multiple times. Like he, you know, shot a ton of takedowns on Turner and uh, Pena. You know, he brawled a little too much with Lando and and uh Polo Reyes, but I think here he should. I mean, it's getting to this plus money. It's the thing. I was not gonna bet this guy as a favorite, um, even as a small dog, like a you know, even money. But if we're getting the plus 120 close now, like, ah, like 
even if Ottman puts them out, bro, like I don't even feel that bad about it because yeah, Ottman hits hard. But if Matt Frivola has any guard and you know is able to just extend the fight and make this guy throw more power punches than maybe he expects or you know he's ever done, you know, how does this guy not, you know, start turning into a pretty big favorite here? Um, you know, submission game, I think is pretty solid here. And I'm I am 80% sure that he will grapple here. Intently, like with intent, not like, oh, you know, shoot a few. T-. No, no, no. I think he's gonna shoot a takedown, get his hands on him. We're gonna see some, you know, hanging in the clinch or back clinch or something like that. So take a little small shot on Favola. I think uh I think both these guys can drop each other for sure. Like Matt Favola, the thing is like he just sometimes just throws that right hand without too much defense on the left hand side. I don't think Ottman has like shot select. This I just go back to it. The guy could have power, but the shot selection, like look how he knocks out Common Worthy, dude. Like, is that looking like a high level striker to you? He's gonna find Matt Favola all the time. I don't think so. So I'll I'll take that small, small shot on Matt Favola, dog money. And just adds a few more things is Ottoman has fought three times in five years, and those fights totaled five and a half minutes. So he hasn't fought past round one in five years, and he only has five minutes in the cage over five years. So if you're talking about the experience advantage, it's Frivola. The activity advantage, Frivola. Uh, the cardio, wrestling advantage, Frivola. Um, you know, it's really striking and power are the only two uh, uh, advantages for Ottoman here, and I really don't know if that's good enough to put him as yeah. a favorite. Frivola has great cardio, and if you remember, Azaitar's brother, cardio died against MAB. In like dead. round three, yeah. like completely dead. And um, you know, Ottman, he it's not like he's been it with the Khabib guys and stuff like that. You know, he's been training at the PI, so Vegas. So let's go, let's go for Vola. Let's get this one. All right, next fight's in the middleweight division. We got Andre Petrosky taking on Wellington Terman. Odds for this one, uh Petrosky minus two hundred, Terman plus one seventy. Um it's interesting matchup here. Um is it uh, is it your yeah, my turn. Yeah, so I mean, yeah, inter- I, I I think this is a good matchup too. I didn't really expect this one. Petrovsky, good step up here. Um, you know, but you know, seeing a 210 next to him, given like some of the faults that I see in his game, is just like a little you know bewildering to me. You know, looking at Terman though, like Terman, that fight against uh Zirkunov, it's the fact that he was just, you know, okay with laying on his back and some of the grappling positions he was giving up, I didn't love. So I think this fight is probably going to have to be one where, you know, I do think that Petrovsky is probably going to get to a clinch position or a takedown at some point. So I think it, this will be more of a nutritional fight where, you know, uh, Terman has to, you know, obviously work from these grappling positions and overall. But maybe, you know, whether some kind of storm from Petrovsky, you know, Petrovsky KO, they got it priced really, really low. You know, I don't think that, uh, Terman has fought many southpaws, other than maybe Bruno Silva, I think maybe. Bruno Silva's a southpaw. He switches, I think. He's back and forth. Um, but I don't think it's going to matter that much. You know, I do like that he is training over there with Glover. He's got Dominic Reyes, a southpaw, um, you know, to spar with there. So, you know, Petrovsky does not have really accurate punches, though. He he kind of, a lot of the movements are really big and I think easy to see. But, you know, obviously Terman is pretty slow, so I don't know if he's going to be able to counter him. But also, Terman's got three times the fights, at, or two and a half times the fights as Petrovsky. Petrovsky's cardio look bad. Um, so I got Terman here. I, I like, I think this guy's pretty solid, you know, plus 170 for him. He's not the best fighter in the world, but he's aware of the submission game. He's got some submission game of him, himself, but um, I just think that he's going to have to, uh, you know, fight for these underhooks, stay tight in there, 
Don't go for too many offensive maneuvers. Look to kind of, you know, uh, uh, defend a little bit more when, when Petrovsky is diving on these single legs, which I think will happen. And, uh, and yeah, maybe, you know, a repeat of the Aaron Jeffrey fight, I think, is, uh, is a good plan for uh, Termon here. Come out, club club him with a few shots. It's the same thing as Amisha. Sir. I mean, honestly, Petrovsky and Serkinov, other than the crazy dip in success Serkinov has had, kind of similar fight. I would kind of put them so- somewhat similar. So both Southpaw Aaron too. Aaron Jeffrey? No, he didn't Misha, fight Aaron Misha. Jeffrey. Petrovsky, yes, he did. Oh, Petrovsky. Oh, yeah. I, okay, I understand. I said, like, yeah, I mean, like, uh, Herman beating him like Je- Jeffrey did. But like I said, like, would you agree that Misha and Petrovsky are actually kind of similar? Yes, very. Oh, yeah, I think it's a good fight for Termo. Yeah, I, I agree. I'm on Termo here. And, um, you know, Petrovsky's a Philadelphia guy, but the, the, the Marquez MMA bubble... Uh, is bursting. We're we're in the midst of it bursting. Where so just just a little stutter step. They just got to get a, some adjust. Like I said, bro, deline, delineation. They need to bring me in there. Man. They need to bring me in between unranked fights, unranked fights, and when to get in the top fifteen, top ten, man, this shit is tough. It's very difficult. So a little stutter step. Yeah. Bring the Martian in. You know that that's bringing me in by by uh, whatever. I don't know. Uh, I want them. I want them to succeed, and I really think I have the tools to 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 bring them to the next level. But um, you know, in, in this matchup, I'm I'm thinking if this fight happened one year ago, I'm pretty sure Terman would be like a, a pretty significant favorite. Might be two fifty minus two fifty. Yeah, and, and now now Andre has looked good over the past year, uh, but I think some of his wins. Specifically, the Gilmore and the Who uh, wins. He he finished both guys in round three, um, but those w- those wins were very flawed. He he really showed a ton of flaws in those fights, and we really don't know if he fixed them because the maximal fight was you know sixty seconds. He choked him out right away. But I mean, Petrosky, his striking, he's loading up on every strike. Hand left doesn't really have much of uh, many range finders, he kind of just wings punches and they were connected on Hu Yao Zong. But I think the tournament um, has a really good chance at, at winning the striking here. And I just see the grappling being really competitive, man. Both these guys like hitting offensive takedowns and out grappling guys. And I think that they could, they could, you know, hit a bit of a wall against one another. And then, you know, we're going to see maybe both guys on bottom. We're going to see some back and forth uh, exchanges. Um, you know, don't love how Terman can get high on the back. He goes for back takes a little too much and then he gets too high. He doesn't know when to abandon them. And then he ends on his back. So that's not good. Um, he did lose round one to Serkunov, and he got put on bottom again in round two, but then he was able to snatch that arm bar. So I don't love how Terman can be put on bottom. I think he probably is the inferior wrestler here, uh, but I think that he's got, you know, comparable jiu-jitsu skill. I think he, you know, he's got the better striking. He's much more experienced. He's training at a really good camp uh, with, uh, with Glover and Reyes and, uh, and Pereira there. And, you know, he's coming off a few wins, got good momentum. I think Terman's the side here, 170. I'll be on him for uh, at least a unit, I'd say. And, you know, I haven't really looked at uh, props. I haven't mentioned too many props for this card, but, um, I mean. Petrovsky's the, Petrovsky's the same pick. line here against Terman than he was against who, bro? <laughs> who, exactly, yeah. And, and he was like, plus 220 against uh, Aaron Jeffrey in 2020, just to go back on what you said, like, for a year back, you know. Yeah, the market's like doing flip flops on him. Like this dude is plus three fifty versus fucking Nick Maximov, and now, you know, like the market really is just they're they're 
they're hot and cold on on, on Petro here. So, um, next fight is going to be in uh, another women's fight. Oh, it's actually the second second of three women's fights. I was mistaken earlier. Aaron Blanchfield taking on Molly McCann, biggest favorite on the car. Aaron Blanchfield minus four hundred, McCann plus three hundred. Um, so I was originally a big fan of of Aaron, but I've I've grown skeptical of her lately. Um, I just she's kind of underdeveloped in some of her areas where she's uh, she's weak and she's not really working on them too much. I think her striking, her footwork, and her wrestling all need major major work. Um, and she's she's fantastic on top, right? She's uh, a really good top position grappler. She's got really good submissions, and that will win her a lot of fights in the women's divisions. But she's really got to work on on finding a way to get to the uh, the fight to the floor uh, more comfortably because she's just uh, awkward and choppy in there. You know, she just doesn't have good flow to her her striking, and that means that she's not going to have good flow to her takedowns. Um, but you know, she's fighting McCann, who is pretty atrocious on the mat so you know this fight is, is simple when the fight's on the feet it's going to be pretty good for mccann when the fight's on the floor it's going to be really awful for mccann and she's probably going to be in danger of being submitted uh on the floor or you know mounted and ground and pound tko'd at any point you know if aaron's on top she could easily finish with you know only 30 60 seconds worth of time um and you know Mc blanchfield's takedowns aren't good she's not she's really bad at 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 completing takedowns against the cage so once her opponents get their back to the cage Aaron just cannot find a way to get the fight down to the floor she really thrives hitting takedowns in open space and she's got a little good judo game behind her as well and McCann is really susceptible to those judo throws she, she'll like stuff takedowns and she'll be so preoccupied on the top half of the body that she doesn't realize that her opponents are you know going to throw her with the judo throw and I truthfully think that's how the fight gets to the floor is Aaron's going to fail a traditional takedown a wrestling takedown and then she's going to hit a judo throw and she's going to get on top here she did that versus uh Maverick I think once or twice so um now, on the feet, I mean, Molly's going to win. She's going to be dangerous. Uh, she's might even hurt Aaron at some point, but the fight is pretty inevitable to end up on the floor in some sloppy exchange at one point. So Molly is the pre-fight value side, but, uh, uh, man, I just can't, can't see her this one. Um, and all, uh, one one last point, non-matchup related, but, like, what the fuck is the UFC doing? They got Molly McCann, who's got momentum, knocking women out with spinning elbows, got the bar stool behind her. They they were giving her good matchups in England, and now, once she's got all this momentum, they're throwing her in Aaron's back uh, backyard and putting her against a terrible matchup. It, it really makes no sense. Um, So, well, what about you, Ozzy? What are you thinking here? Yeah, I'm not really that interested in this fight. Um, You know, I've, like, I agree with you. A little bit peculiar matchmaking overall. I think, um, you know, they probably should. But the thing is with Molly, like, who are you going to really give her? Like, you know, obviously Maverick's calling for the fight. Whatever. I don't care. I'm not showing Shelby. But um, I think Molly's been improving the grappling. She has been doing, you know, the the the, the grappling with, um, you know, over in, you know, she's been kind of going to California a little bit, working an alliance there. Because she knows that's her weakest point. Um, and like you said, Aaron, she's not that uh, rushed as well for the takedowns. And because she's a little bit slower in plotting, even when she is, it's not really, you know, crazy effective. And, you know, you're kind of, you know, telegraphing and chasing these takedowns. Um, and you know, I, I just don't know how they match up in terms of cardio wise. I don't really have a feel too much for that. I am. I will say I will be training with Molly's grappling coach on or one of her someone she's has coached her in grappling the night before 
So I'm going to try and get some information. He's probably not going to give me any. I think he might be in the corner. <laughs> I'm going to try to get some information out of him. If I do, I'll try to share it with some people and they can do it with it, with it, what they will. But um, I think this fight will go the distance. I don't know what that is. It's probably crazy juice. I don't think that Aaron's actually going to submit her. I don't think it's going to be crazy juice. I think it's probably... Oh, it's minus 165. That's pretty good. I, I think Aaron's not going to submit her. I think she will try. I don't think she's going to get this. I mean, she didn't submit Sarah Alpar, did she? That's what I'm saying. Right? Like, I think if yeah. Molly is of foot enough and you know she actually can fight from both orthodox and southpaw that even when Aaron gets a takedown because I think it's a win I think it'll be deep enough into rounds where some of the risks will be mitigated in terms of uh the fight finishing yeah and, and um some people will probably point to the Jillian and say that she you know choked her out I believe Jillian is a lot better at doing what I was talking about earlier and that's using her striking to blend the takedowns and you know just an overall better MMA fighter uh than than uh Aaron um and you know Aaron's got potential though I like Aaron yeah. I like Aaron How could you not? look Aaron is from Northeast girl I, I just I'm just not sure I think she's trying to she she knows it's a good spot for her too so I think she's in a be look to extend the fight. I don't know. Maybe maybe she'll go to the takedown a little too late in each of these rounds. But I'm not gonna bet goes the distance. Don't get me wrong. But I think if you bet goes the distance and Blanchfield by submission, you'd probably win money. Yeah, I don't know. I don't. I don't think I condone that approach. Those typically aren't the best. But yeah, usually I don't do it at all. I don't do that at all. But I think um I don't think it'll be a TKO. She's not gonna ground TKO her. She finishes her. It will be a yeah, submission. Yeah, she'll go out the neck. Yeah. Um. All right, so next fight is going to be 205, Dominic Reyes versus Ryan Spans. Uh, Dominic Reyes is the favorite here. Minus 210, Spam plus 180. What are your thoughts on this big boy matchup? Two guys I don't like, don't like, traditionally have not liked the, uh, these guys. I, I should like Ryan Spann because he's a submission artist at like heavyweight, which you don't see that often. But the thing with Ryan Spann is he can't keep it together for very long. Like, Look at even when the only fight that he's gone out of the second round or out of the first round in his last uh, five uh, against Sam Alvey. Bro, this guy was wilting. Uh, I mean, not wilting, but he looked Bambi legs a few times and he almost lost that fight to Sam Alvey. So I kind of like, you know, kind of lean, definitely lean towards Dominic Reyes here just because the, the style of striking that Dominic Reyes has, the reason that a guy like, uh, he has such a hard time with a guy like uh, Jan Blakovich. Not only just because he had Nick Ronick as his main training partner, but the fact that as Dominic would, you know, circle away and try to get away and reset the exchanges, you know, uh, uh, Jan kept throwing that body kick, you know, and he kept hitting him hard with it, you know, and then he ended up starting, you know, he was probably thinking about that a little bit. And then he started, you know, maybe like, all right, let me sit down in the pocket and exchange with him because this guy's going to keep kicking me. And then what happens? He gets his nose smashed. He gets, keeps getting hit with left hooks and big punches and he ends up getting dropped to finish. But I think he's just proven consistency wise to just be a much better overall fighter than Ryan Span. Ryan Span is dangerous, but he's chinny. You know, his defense is not that good. He's got like the kind of, he's kind of low key got the glove sniff uh, defense. Like his hands are just always really high, but he doesn't have a lot of nuance. And if you faint, you know, you, you'll move his hands away from him and you'll, you know, hit him pretty hard. But if you're just, you know, striking with him, like he'll keep his hands tight. But any kind of, you know, mixing up the, the, the tempo, you know, you'll clip him. And, uh, and I don't think he's going to get, I think he could get takedowns on Dominic Reyes, though. That's why I'm not, 
felt super anxious to bet Dom Reyes. But if the line does come down enough, maybe to like it has to, it would have to come down quite a bit just because this guy just did come back from a crazy knockout. But I actually think you know Dominic Reyes's grappling game has probably been improving. Like against Yuri, obviously it's Yuri, but what some of the movements that he had there, I thought were pretty solid. I didn't think that he's he looked bad as a grappler there. And I think training with Glover, I think, is probably helping him a lot. You know, he definitely had to change up the camp. I don't know what he was doing. His head training was like his brother or something. So I think it's good for him. And um, I think he's in the B Ryan span. So TBD, though. I might bet it, but TBD. Yeah, not much conviction here uh, with Reyes. Um, he hasn't won a fight against since he beat John Jones in early 2020. So uh, it's been, you know, two and a half years since he won a fight. And, um, you know, he's taking a lot of damage too, right? He 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 got knocked out pretty badly in both of those fights. So it's good he took some time off. Uh, but interested to see if he's actually, you know, improved or he's just kind of maybe fallen off. And maybe that moment against John Jones was was his, you know, spotlight moment that got robbed from him. Maybe he'll never be the same. Uh, and Span, I think, I think he kind of sucks, but he he's athletic and he's spastic. And he can hurt you on the feet, and he can submit you. So he can win fights at light heavyweight. So um, I think that uh, this fight is likely going to end in under one and a half rounds. So I think the under here is pretty good. I could just see Spam being super hittable on the feet and his, you know, just giving his chin on a silver platter. I think that's possible. And then Span just catching him with some shit and, you know, finding a finish uh, is likely. I also bet... Um, span round one at plus 700 for a half a unit. You're telling me I can bet a half a unit on this shit. Just throw it out there and have a good chance at winning three and a half units for, you know, span to, you know, I, I, I've, I've, I've picked, you should put in span, uh, submissions because he's never knocked someone out outside of the round, the first round. Yeah. It's been, it's eight to one. Yeah. It's not bad. Um, so I just think that, uh, but he, he has heard, he has heard some guys as strikes, you know, he, he, he almost knocked out. John oh, he's knocked out a bunch of guys in the first round. He's knocked out five guys. In the yeah. First. He just never finished anyone outside of the first or uh, knocked someone out outside of the yeah. first. Yeah. Yeah. I remember the Dev Clark one was like a, a guillotine or something. But, um, yeah. So I just think it'll be a chaotic fight. You know, um, uh, the, the odds I think are pretty accurate, right? You know, Reyes at, you know, two thirds. Um, but, uh, they got Reyes. Oh, okay. They corrected it. Reyes KO. I mean, or Reyes ITD is like minus one thirty, right? They think that it's over fifty five percent likely that this guy finishes him. I mean, I think that's off. So, um, who knows though? Someone's gonna finish in this fight. Someone, Someone's yeah, that would be pretty shocked to see this one GTD as the odds reflect. Um, but uh, anyway, moving on. Last fight on the prelims, uh, we got lightweight division, amazing matchup here. Hanato Moicano taking on Brad Riddell. And Moicano is the favorite, minus 123. Riddell, plus 103. Looking at all the fights, this whole uh, card, I think this one might be getting the lead of anyone. I Carla and Wei Li hasn't really moved much at all. But this one is just kind of staying the same. Moicano, minus 125. Riddell, plus 100, plus 105. It's really not moving much. Um, And I think... I think people have a kind of consensus uh, opinion about it. I mean, I'm sure there are some people out there that are confident, but, um, you know, that they're thinking that uh, Riddell's got the edge on the feet. Uh, it's not an unwinnable fight for Moicano on the feet. He's a good striker of his own right, but you got to think that the kickboxer with the better power uh, is going to be uh, the one with the advantage on the feet. Also, the much more natural 155 or bigger guy. Um, 
but Moicano, when he gets the fight to the floor on top, I mean, he's a really good grappler when he's on top. He's not the strongest wrestler, but he can, you know, body lock, get, get a takedown. He can hit some takedowns. He's not a helpless wrestler at all. So um, for a fight that I think is, you know, pretty in favor of uh, of Moicano once the fight hits the floor, um, I, I think that these odds are about right. You know, he's got a chance to win the striking and he's got a real good chance uh, win the grappling when it gets there. So, and we, we like, we like both these guys, Ozzy and I both like these guys, but, um, I think the, the tempting side here is Riddell, but man, this guy's let me down so many times. He's been finished in round one. He, he typically just starts slow, right? He got dropped versus Dober. He gets hurt versus Turner. Uh, he got pushed against the cage for a long time against Mustafa. I've even Alex De Silva beat this guy in round one. So Brad just not a guy who can be trusted in round one. He he, you're probably gonna have to look for a live bet if you want to bet Brad here. Yeah, man. And as you say that, obviously Hanato Moicano is the opposite. This guy usually starts strong. He's got you know some first round finishes, right? And um, you know even against like a guy like Fazeev, like the guy he met fire with fire. He got knocked out, obviously, but um. I don't remember if he won the Jose Aldo fight in the first round, but or if he won the first round. But he he's usually a strong starter. Um, he goes for his takedowns. He like looks to implement his game. He looks to implement his strategy, which is what I like to see. You know, and in the in this fight game, anyone can beat anyone on any given day. But and especially, but uh, you only uh, heighten that by letting that guy, the other guy get on their script and kind of, you know, go ha- know what sequence he's going for, right? As opposed to you trying to dictate the pace, you know, put him in uncomfortable positions, put him in, you know, spots where where you know where their next movement is. And I feel like Brad Riddell is more of a counterpuncher, right? He kind of like, he he does do that, but he, lo- he has to set it up. It takes him longer to set it up um, and to do that. And you need to kind of be a little bit, you know, kind of trading with him or getting in the fight like that with him for it to be effective. And we saw that against uh, Dober and, you know, Fazeev. It was working for him a bit, but uh, but it, but it could also falter uh, often. And, you know, this fight, I've been kind of going back and forth with, but I think I'm an, I lean on the Moicano side just because of the volume sometimes from Riddell being a bit lower. Um, and especially if he needs to respect the takedown threat, you know, Moicano could definitely get chinned at any point. Uh, right, he got he took a beating versus RDA, so I'm not really that enthused to 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 take him here, even though you know it could be a little bit of a bounce back spot. But because Brad is a slow starter and isn't a big volume guy either, I do think that Moicano could um like underplay, like downplay the the fact that he he does get clipped with shots sometimes. But he's very aggressive as well, so I'm interested to see who's gonna be um better with going second in terms of timing uh strikes if you see that uh alex fernandez fight there are so multiple times where alex kind of just stops his combination and moicano's just right on him like you see in that finishing sequence you know it's kind of like you know hernandez thinks the combination's over or you know this guy's done and he's just hitting him with more shots trying to get close to him trying to get a, a clinch on him you know to take him down so I would lean the Moicano side, honestly, just because I think the diversity of the takedown attempts, uh, the the level that he is on the ground, he he forces high danger, you know, situations, right? He's not a, a lame prayer. He's looking to ground and pound. He's looking to take the back. He's looking to get to mount, you know. And I I really like to see that from a guy. Um, so so I think I I, I think I'll lean I'll lean towards him. I I think I need closer to a pick him price or even money though to to, to back him on the money line. 
Yeah, that Hernandez finish was just sick, man. Just such a great back yeah, take. And they live that was a great live bet fight too. They had Moicano as like either even or a dog, Saifi. I don't know. It was a bad number they had there. I definitely definitely picked up a good good, good number there. Yeah. But, but Moicano submission, bro, it's four fifty on the offshore. Like I think he can Definitely submit Brad These guys are both, you know, RDA, you know, did a ton of damage on Moicano and Riddell, man. I mean, he's been he's been significantly hurt in three fights in a row. Dober dropped him in the first round. Fizzy have knocked him out in the third round. Turner stunned him early. I mean, there's a chance Brad's chin is getting close to done. I mean, you know, long career, long kickboxing career, um, a lot of wars. You know, there's a chance that he just can't take a shot anymore. I mean, Moicano is not a big but it's a possibility that Riddell's chin is, uh, you know, on the decline. Big Moicano time. had that five round fight, got that some experience off that. So hopefully, the gain from you know going five rounds outweighs you know the damage amount that he took. Yeah, and uh, it's going to take us to the main card, uh, five fight main card, great fights. Uh, first one, lightweight division. Dan Hooker taking on Claudio Poilus. Dan Hooker minus 141. Claudio Poilus one plus 121. Highly anticipated fight here. A lot of action. Your turn to start this one off, Ozzy. I love the fact that they put it as a main card opener. Um, and I I love always identifying like it's always great to see every week what the real what the betty like the betters, you know, the you know, people in certain circles main event is. For this week. I mean, there's a few contenders, but it got it has to be Hooker be versus yeah. Poilus because has to be Hooker versus Poilus because literally everyone is basically like, yo, Hooker's free money. Okay, like, and man, Poilus, like, obviously he boned us two times in a row, right? Bad. Bad. Um, and I don't regret, I regret that, I regret the Guida bet a bit, maybe just the size, but I do not regret the Chris Gritzmacher bet at all. Not one bit. Maybe um, maybe after was, we learned he was training in his garage, I might have regretted oh, it a little bit. But, but on tape, I didn't regret it at all, bro. Because the fact this guy pulls guard in round two and he's just laying there, I don't know. It's crazy. But you know, Gritzmacher's an idiot, dude. He, should, I mean, he was gonna win the third round and then he just gets Steve Barn, just insane. But so the thing that I see here is like, yeah, man, like you watch the tape, like Claudio Plus, he does not look that great. Like he throws a few decent strikes out there. But I feel this is a high variance, dude, in terms of, you know, I don't know, man. Like, he, some of the stuff that he puts out there is kind of like, I think it's kind of like bait. Like, it's like, I think he looks, he intentionally is kind of like looking worse to get people to engage with him a little bit more. Um, like, in the Gritsmacher, that's like my little feeling I have maybe for the Gritsmacher fight because it's just so weird. He's just such a weird guy. Um, he's been training, obviously. Let me get to more relevant stuff. I think I'm talking too much BS. But look, he's at um, Killcliffe FC. He's been there for like two years now, I think. Um, obviously, the grappling game is is there. You know, his takedowns are not great. Um, he does shoot head outside singles a little bit, which I did take some hooker by sub at like 20 to 1 or something like that, which I think a guillotine here could happen here. I think this fight could 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 be where... You know, Hooker is kind of poking him at range. But the issue, what I see is, you know, Hooker was very aggressive against um, Nazarat. But can, does is he going to be as aggressive here when the fact that Claudio could shoot a takedown on him at any point? Maybe Hooker wants that and he could, you know, launch those knees and, you know, all those good, st all those good things. You know, I'm not betting on Claudio Plus. I would, I'm not even considering betting on Claudio Plus. 
But I'm not, I have not pulled the trigger on Dan Hooker, so I'm not in negative CLV like a lot of guys are. But I'm not like, you know, <laughs> running to the window either because, you know, the guy, he's looked a little shop worn. I think, I think the back to back fights, dude, between Felder and then fucking less than four months later fighting Poirier, th- that was bad career decisions by Eugene or whoever, whoever was advising him. That was bad stuff because this guy got beat up bad against Hooker or against Felder. I thought he lost that fight. But um, and then he just fights like a bum in Nazar Hakras, and you know, and then you had the weight thing, you know, abusing his body. I don't love it, dude. I don't love it. And he's older, like I don't love it. So I, I'm gonna keep waiting. I will probably end up betting Hooker, but I'm gonna keep waiting. I think I would rather take some ITD here because I feel if we're right about Pulis, I think he's gonna be slowing down. He's gonna be doing the guard pull thing, and Dan Hooker's dangerous. He he's you know, if you look at that Ian N whistle fight, just starts elbowing the motherfucker while he has him in like 50-50. Like he's just a danger. Like he's just looking for, you know, he's looking for stuff, I think, when he's dominating. And I think Claudio Plus, if we're right about him, he's a little bit of a wilter. He's a little bit of a quitter. Like, you know, he might be, you know, just laying on his back and, you know, doing stuff like that. And then Dan makes him stand up and then he gets his hands on a Muay Thai clinch and just starts beating his ass. So we'll see. We'll see. Like I said, you know, I got some Peruvian family, and they fucking love Claudio Polis, Martian. They live here in Queens, too. They love Claudio Polis. <laughs> so I'm hoping they're going to be super disappointed. Um, don't hang out with them. Boys on, don't hang day. out with them on Saturday. No, no, no. no. Like the no, fucking Ecuadorians. <laughs> that, dude, that was a total setup. Um, <laughs> that was a total setup that day. But, uh, but yeah, you know, I've, anything you see, object like, you know, tape-wise and stuff like that says Dan Hooker's aside. I'm not running to play. I think it'll be competitive a bit. I don't think I don't know how aggressive Dan's gonna be. Is my issue. Wish I was. I wish it was like a fight at lightweight that he had last, as opposed to Arnold Allen thing. But what do you think? Don't Hooker, right? Yeah. So I got the. I, I was what he was talking about. Negative CLV. I, I took Dan Hooker like literally one of the worst. Um, but uh, I, I'm gonna have to add more. I'm gonna have to add more. You know, because this line, it's not making much sense to me. We've doubted playlist, like you said, two times in a row. Clearly, we're missing something. But we're we're trusting fucking a, a, a recreational fighter in Gritzmacher. They're grapplers. We're trusting and a, they are grapplers. Yeah, a 40, a 40-year-old uh, Guida. And now we finally have a capable body to really expose playlist. And... um. You know, the striking here is going to be, you know, very one-sided for, for Hooker, right? Uh, Puelas, you know, he's got a body kick. He he can throw a strike every now and then. He's not, like, terrible offensively, but he's just not layered in exchanges. And the longer this fight's in the feed, the more it favors Hooker. And, you know, you got to think that the fight being on the ground favors Puelas. But, you know, it's it's interesting because this guy might be more dangerous off his back than he is on top. Like, he, he really has, like, a, a women's MMA like a old school MMA style to make guys off of his back with leg locks and knee bars. It's really not sustainable. And it might, you might be able to win some uh, fights outside of the top 15, 25, but we typically see these guys like hit a brick wall, like a Ryan Hall or something like that. You know, like at at a certain point, you know, he's going to run into a guy like Taporia who's not going to, you know, you know, fall for that, that guard playing bullshit. And he's just going to, you know, make easy work of him and let's hope dan hooker's the guy to do that because uh, i mean the, the takedowns of Puelas are not good he, sh- he he doesn't 
come from a real wrestling background and he shoots takedowns like he like squats into them. You know, DC was making fun of him in one of his fights for how bad his takedown entries were. Um, and that was the Gritzmacher fight. So uh, I don't think that, you know, he's going to be learning, you know, learning a whole lot more in the wrestling category. And even when he's on top, man, I, I just don't think he's that dangerous on top. He's dangerous off his back with the, 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 um, just like, you know, guard submissions, right? Leg locks, knee bars, omoplata sweeps. I I can, you know, see that being a possibility here. But, you know, if Hooker is just smart enough to back away from top position, I mean, he, he some guys might be tempted. Hey, I'm on top position. I can lay on top of this guy. I can lay on ground and pound. It's probably not a smart idea with Poilus because he's just saving up that energy for an explosion into a knee bar. If he, if Hooker says, I'm not, I'm not laying on top of this guy. I'm not doing top position. I'm standing him up. And I'm making this fight stay on the feet. Hooker should butcher this guy and he should win. And he could potentially look like easy money. So um, the thing is, guys, I don't think so, bro. I made up my mind. I'm not betting on that. Fuck you. No, you have the money. No, you fucking have to. You said, listen, guys. Oh, he's not this guy. But if you're right, if we are right about Claudio is not making it 15 minutes, it's not happening. Um. Uh, I could, it's not happening, but, but, but bro. If, How is it But what happen? if I was just, like, so like Hooker hit, hurts him with the shot, then he pulls guard, and he's like, uh, you know, stand back up, and he's, you know, it's gonna, bro, that arena is gonna be insane. On that's Sunday. true, but I don't know. I don't, I don't, I don't think. I mean, it's a possibility that Hooker. Hooker I mean, the, but, but like, if Hooker finishes him, if Hooker finishes him, he the money line is still gonna look value, you know. Sure. Yeah, I'm just saying that you know, ITD is like minus one eighty feel like hooker feel what do you what's more likely you think a hooker finish or a poilus decision poilus decision oh wait no 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 i'm sorry no that's not true but i i really do think poilus decision 700 is not a bad line here um i think i i really think poilus is more likely to win by decision than sub um i think would i be surprised if like poilus took him down and like holds a body triangle like grant dawson did no yeah no would it like I haven't seen Hooker's defensive grappling that much. I do know some people that train with Hooker at the end of last year, and they're like, yeah, you know, he's like high purple. He's like purple belt saying, like, yeah, you know, it's competitive role, like high purple belt. You haven't really seen him grapple in any of his, other than the Dustin Poirier fight, um, you know, a bit. Uh, well, but, uh, he, he offensively grappled versus uh, Hackprest. Oh, that, that's, I'm saying defensive. I mean defense. Oh. No, I Dustin think... put him on his back a few times. I think um uh it says Dustin took him down once. I think there was another fight. Uh Jason Knight out grappled him back in the day. He was on his back though a few times though, against Um all right, enough about that one. Saying, I, I, like, I'm gonna have to add. I, maybe, I'm gonna have to add. Gonna... I'm gonna have to be three units on Hooker here. I mean, if they're forcing my hand, you're not gonna do any inside the distance. You're not gonna do any. No, I'm keeping it money line. Keep, keeping it, okay. keeping it P. Yeah. Um, all right. Next fight is uh, a sad one. Uh, Bantamweight division, Frankie Edgar's retirement fight taken on Chris Gutierrez. Gutierrez is the favorite, minus 223, Frankie Edgar plus 188. So I've got a read on this fight. I did I did some tape here. And the thing is, Gutierrez, is, is he's real good with his footwork, right? He knows where he's at in the cage at all times. Uh, and... I think he's he's really good at retreating when his opponents come forward. He's very you know he he likes to circle. And what happens is when guys uh, when he was fighting 
Kolarish uh, and like Freitas, um, they in order to set up their takedowns, they really didn't have like a striking setup because he's so good at, at moving backwards. And anytime they threw strikes, he would get out of the way easily. So what they had to do was just kind of bum rush him. They had to, you know, shoot a desperate takedown, get his back to the cage, and then they were able to maybe get their hands clasped and get him down briefly. But um, in this fight, I, I don't think Frankie is going to be able to time the open space takedowns. I think his takedowns are getting too slow and too telegraphed. And I think Gutierrez is going to be able to see them coming uh, in open space. And if Edgar wants to take him down, he's going to have to do what Kolaris and DeFreitas did. And that's drive him back to the cage, get his back to the fence and get him down that way. But I just don't think Frankie's really got that physicality and that athleticism to, to, to drive Gutierrez back to the, ca uh, to the cage and get him pinned. And I don't think he's going to be quick enough to shoot the takedown in open space. I mean, the takedowns versus Vera in open space, um, they weren't good. The, the way he got Vera down and kicks into him down. And that's a possibility here because Gutierrez does throw a ton of kicks. Um, but if Gutierrez just alters the matchup a little bit and throws more hands, you know, like 70% hands and, you know, 30% kicks instead of, you know, 50-50 like he typically does, I think that he's going to be outboxing Frankie. He's going to be much quicker. He's going to be elusive in the cage, that big cage. Frankie is going to have a hard time tracking him down there. And, man, uh, Frankie is just – this is just not uh, – just not like a good feeling from Frankie here. You know, he, he 41, 42, he said he's retiring after this fight. He's been brutally knocked out two times in a row. He really hasn't won a fight in Bantamweight. If we're being real, guys, the Munoz decision was pretty bad. And he really hasn't won a fight in Bantamweight ever. Um, and that means he hasn't won a fight since 2018. So four and a half years ago is the last time he truthfully won a fight. So, man, I just don't like this fight for Frankie. I think the line is probably right. And I think uh, uh, Gutierrez will stick a move and I'll put him to a decision. Yeah, man. Frankie Edgar, one of my favorite fighters of all time. I will tell you, look, so I was watching MMA back in like 07. And literally, Frankie Edgar was my first, like when I was watching, I like was like learning about like gambling odds a little bit. <clears throat> when like Anderson Silva was fighting Travis Luter on that same card. And they were telling me like Frankie Edgar was like plus like 700 or something like that. And I was like, what? Obviously, I wasn't betting. It's was like I'm like 15 or some shit. But I was like, what? And I'm like, nah, he's going to win. I remember I was like telling a bunch of people, and he won against Tyson Griffin. That's my literal, Frankie, my first ever underdog pick. Um, Topology forms or some and, shit. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I could pull it up, but I can't. <laughs> Probably never. Anyway, so you know, I don't like this fight for him either because the fact is, you know, what I see from Frankie is like just his movements and like what he's going for is very predictable. He does not have the variability with the the feints and all these kinds of things like that um, that he used to have with the speed that he and like mixing in the leg kicks and this and that and the jab and oh you know throwing to the body like a body jab then jab jab you know to the head and across and then you know working across into like a high crotch like he doesn't do that very well uh, anymore. Um, or didn't versus Vera, obviously, you know. Now, he did. He was coming off some surgery to his hip right before that fight. And uh, and it's been, you know, a decent amount of time since then. So, I'm hoping and I do think we're going to see a better version than we saw against Vera. But I still think it's an uphill climb. Because Gutierrez, 
is a good guy at reading people. He's he, he he's that kind of striker. He's kind of like a you know more of like a heady striker where you know he's kind of like just looking to pot shot you. But when he is throwing the shots, they're kind of pretty well thought out, and they kind of just he's built it like his game. He's built his game a lot very well um, to his attributes and you know the techniques that he kind of like just naturally uh you know uh you know is good at um so i do think he's gonna be able to move move his feet a lot i'm interested to see though when does he he's gonna have to set his feet at some point to to exchange and throw with frankie because i do think frankie could you know with volume and if this guy is not going to engage with him or, or, or is really worried about the wrestling is not going to sit down on punches i could see frankie you know winning some early rounds so i mean the only way to bet frankie is by decision you know could he finish him i guess maybe like something could happen you know maybe like a choke or a rear naked choke like if this guy completely shuts down like he did against durden but i think it's gonna probably end up bad for frankie i don't like his durability and you know some of these things but the guy's all in i like it when guys are all in he's been training his wrestling a lot with uh sebastian rivera um, who's like a world world championship level wrestler, you know, took, I think, fifth in the world championships this year, same size as him. Um, so I think he's going to come out and prove. He's going to look better, I think, than than he did in the Verifight. But ultimately, I don't think it will be enough. Is there value on the line, though? You know, I like I said, I would only, that decision line, I like it. You know, three, 300, 325, I think is solid. If we get above the 200 number for the money line, I think, you know, doing a, a little play on that is is, I think, okay and warranted. Um, or you could just play the over because Frankie, at the end of the day, you know, I don't think, I don't think Gutierrez is, you know, crazy, crazy likely to to, to knock him out just because the the power that he does not have in the hands. But uh, but I do think Frankie is shot, 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 super shot. Yeah. But I do, I, I still think because of the tendencies and how lethargic and kind of like not aggressive sometimes uh Gutierrez is and not intense. That Frankie could win a decision here. Yeah, it's still got to be dog or pass, but I, I don't like the chances. Um, uh, banger of a fight next. Another lightweight fight. Dustin Poirier taking on Michael Chandler. The odds for this one have Poirier minus 225, Chandler plus 190. Ozzy, I know you're dying to talk about this one. Let's hear it. Love this fight. Um, you know, a fight I've definitely looked forward to or I've thought about, you know, when they were in opposite uh, promotions. And, you know, finally we get we get it here. I just think that the, this line is insane. This line is just crazy to me because you know, if you're kind of just thinking of, just think about the meta of just MMA and in the lightweight division, like how many of these guys at the top level really cover a price tag like Dustin Poirier's in a three-rounder? Um, and, you know, a lot of the, I think the slights on Michael Chandler are just unwarranted, you know, a ton of them. Like, oh, you know, it's a gasser. Oh, you know, he's super chinny. And, you know, all these, this guy's an elite top tier fighter. You know, crazy power, you know, great wrestling. His top game is underrated. His conditioning, I feel, is underrated. Been multiple times five rounds. Obviously, you know, against Gaethje, I think it was less him being super, super tired and, you know, the mix of, one, him going ham in the first round, and two, getting calf kicked to oblivion, you know, and having to be worried about that and the anxiety and stress about that. But he's been at MSG before, been in a big fight before, right? Same kind of billing as this one. Um, and I think this is a good time for him to fight Dustin Poirier. Looking at Dustin's last fight against Oliveira, yeah, he landed some great punches in the first round. Rocked, you know, Oliveira a bunch of times. But Oliveira, man, he wasn't moving around too much there. I think he was letting Dustin line up that left hand way too much. Um, and then, you know, from there, 
Dustin gassed. Like, people talk about how, oh, Chandler, the first round was only good and it was downhill from there against Gaethje. Dustin gassed against, you know, uh, Charles Oliveira. You know, four bit, you know, one minute into that, you know, second round, he just does a forward roll to the ground and just doesn't do anything. And you're thinking, okay, maybe he's going to come back in round three. He's just, you know, he's, he, he's smart. He doesn't want to give up a finish. No, he just comes out third round. He's backing up and he throws one punch and Oliveira's on his back right away. And this guy doesn't even fight it that much. He's got his hands on the ground. You know, it's just, I don't think it's going to be hard for Michael to find this guy with the hands. I think it's he's uh, Michael's going to be able to use that right kick of his pretty well. You saw he punted, you know, Tony's face into into heaven. You know, I think he's going to be able to throw that front kick just like Oliveira did. You know, obviously he's not the great kicker, but it's a tool that he's going to be able to easily use. Right body kicks and then that right hand, like Dustin Poirier's defense is that that Philly shell stuff, and you know what that do, that does not um, lead to good takedown defense when your elbows are above your shoulders to block a punch coming in. You know, and the guy's able to high crotch you or dive on a single leg or, you know, just tackle you to the fence. Dustin's never really shown great fence wrestling. He digs underhooks, but he doesn't really circle off too much. And, you know, I don't think I don't think that Mike's going to have a hard time having a success there. And it's going to be a, a whether, you know, Dustin could claw the fight back, I think, in the later rounds and, you know, and, and start to find Michael's chin. But another thing is Dustin, I think, is overrated as a little bit as a power puncher. Like most of his KOs are very uh, cumulative where he's landing multiple, multiple, you know, strikes and, you know, to, to, to really put a guy out. Whereas opposed to Michael, Michael Chandler, some of the shots, like that left hook, he got hit with Oliveira was a fucking monster shot. That uppercut he got dropped with by Michael Chan or by Justin Gaethje monster shot. Like, I don't know if Dustin's really going to line up those strikes on him similar to that. Like he got dropped by Tony real quick, got right back up. And I don't think he was actually that hurt. And, you know, I think those Conor McGregor wins has people thinking that, one, he's uh, Dustin's super durable just because he won, you know, against a, a, a guy that hits as hard as uh, as uh, Conor. And, you know, they're just overrated wins. They're not they're not that relevant here. And um, I think Michael Michael Chandler is going to win this fight. So I'm pretty I'm going to be I'm probably going to be multiple units on him. But I do want to save a little bit just because I do think there could be some volatility with the fight. I think that Chandler is going to get off to a good start. But Dustin could get off to a good start, just like, you know, that last fight happened and Chandler has to come back, which I think he can do. And I'll probably get a really, really good price on it. So I'm going to be on Chandler Moneyline here for sure. Um, maybe some uh, inside the distance isn't that good. Like it's, uh, you know, plus 235. Like for that, like why, why would you do that? Like I think Chandler, you'll touch on this decision. Crazy line. But overall, I just... The dynamics of this fight does not lead to a two to, to Dustin Poirier beating Michael Chandler seventy percent of the time in a three round fight. Simple as I could put it. Yeah, I'm in agreement with most of that. I mean, I um, I like Poirier better of the two, and uh, you know, I think I would prefer to him to win the fight, but the odds I do think are off, and they're off by probably a good amount. Like I feel like these odds are are factoring in that Chandler's not going to wrestle at all. Uh, that's the only way I can get to Poirier minus two twenty five. Um, the chan it's like it's like the line is indicating that Chandler's having like a no takedown clause to this fight, which I really don't think is the case. Uh, Chandler does like kind of standing and banging and maybe entertaining the fans a little bit too much, but the guy is no dummy. I mean, he he knows when. Uh, actually, the guy is pretty dumb, but but anyway, um, in terms of in the midst of the fight, I don't think he's that dumb. You saw versus. Tony Ferguson, when Ferguson was having a little success touching on strikes, 
Michael Chandler uh, hit a double leg that absolutely sent uh, Ferguson flying through the air. I mean, he just easily double legged him and just took him off his feet. And, you know, Ferguson's a particularly terrible defensive wrestler, but I think the same is in play here for, for Poirier. I think that Chandler, you know, getting in on his hips, I think he's going to put Poirier down. And, uh, you know, the, the striking definitely favors Poirier here, but even even if it's pure striking, a pure kickboxing type of fight, I'm not sure Poirier justifies 70% there either. I think more like, you know, 60 to 65% is accurate because, you know, Chandler's got good boxing. He he hits hard. If he, you know, if he mixed in a little bit more body punching, I think he would be really lethal. Like he, he sometimes throws the straight right hand of the body. If he, you know, incorporated some left hooks to the body, man, he would be real, real good. Um, you know, not that he's not already good, but, you know, he would be a lot more effective if he mixed in some body punching. Because he's, you know, that shorter frame. Uh, and sometimes uh, he's kind of a little bit undersized for the for the weight class in terms of like height and and length. So if he dug to the body more, he could, you know, make up that deficit a, a lot easier. So uh, I just think that it's a close fight on the feet. It's it's a definite a definite lean of Poirier. Uh, the cardio advantage is, I, I think, a bit up in the air here. We've seen both of these guys slow down late in fights. And uh, and I think Poirier, a, a big distinction is that when when he's striking with another guy, he can go to war all day. He can he can have good attrition. He can build into the fight. He has good cardio late. But when you start grappling him and you start taking him down, he starts fading fast. And I think he kind of loses a little bit of confidence in himself uh, when he starts getting out grappled. So if he loses, you know, uh, the first round here getting taken down, I'm not sure he's coming back from that. So Chandler is the money line side. Chandler decision at seven to one, actually plus seven fifty on DraftKings. Crazy line. I bet that already. And um, yeah, I mean, this line doesn't make any sense, bro. Look at go down the list at lightweight. Who is Dustin Poirier minus two thirty against? Dober maybe? Like you're telling me, Michael Chandler is just a rated. That's the thing. I I kind of go off like how I'm rating these guys against each other, and then you have to kind of look at the broader context. Like, it's just how do you get to Dustin over seventy percent to provide value? just doesn't make any sense well he like, he is at uh to be fair i think he's at like 68 right now right minus 230 225 i mean 233 is 70 percent yeah maybe oh, i'm all right but he needs to be a, so yeah you're you're right so you need to be you know you know you need to be 70 percent to cover it just doesn't make any sense dude because like i said dustin like some of the shot selection that he has like he's not really looking to counter a lot of times like even against Oliveira, there's plenty of times Oliveira pushes his dude back and dustin's kind of like you know just kind of you know just you know rolling with the punches kind of like seeing dan hooker too he's kind of just seeing what's coming dude that's suicide against michael chandler if if you're letting michael chandler tee off on you like that he's gonna do it and then he's gonna take you down so is Dustin gonna? You're telling me Dustin's gonna be able to control the range and the distance and the pace? I just against a, a guy like Michael Chandler with as much experience as he as well has. I just don't see it. Um. Yeah. And uh, but money's coming in on Poirier, man. I mean, it's it might keep pouring in, is, so you might is. as well wait on Chandler money yeah. line at this point. Um, I will. Yeah. That's how uh, bad could a Chandler money line that be, bro? Come on, like this is doesn't make sense, dude. It's just really that line to me. Fishy, fishy, strange line. Yeah, I don't know, but I don't. I, I, so I haven't heard anyone tell me betting on Dustin other than Capper, and even he was, you know, jumped off the boat as soon as I told him a piece of my mind. Yeah, 
and um the line moved a lot since he bet it too so um all right title fight time women's strawweight division carla esparza the champion the queen right now taking on uh the challenger former champion Whaley zhang in in the main event here the line this one zhang minus 335 carlos esparza plus 275 um not that excited about this one um i thought you know Wei Li looked like a motherfucker in her last fight you know she she ragdolled uh yoana in there combination of yoana looking old and zang just being you know a physical force man she's she's good she's good in chaos and that's what i i i i took away from that fight is when the fight gets crazy and there's variance involved and like she hits a takedown out of nowhere that shit favors zang because she's so athletic uh and opportunistic that she can just capitalize on those moments not in the same way i think carla can and uh you know it's a rather simple fight to break down i mean if carla doesn't get takedowns she's fucked that's you know to put it simply i don't i'm not sure anybody else thinks differently does anybody in the world think that if Car- can carla can win this fight without takedowns because i don't think so um do you think so ozzy no absolutely not. yeah so it's, she's takedowns are bust and she is one of the best uh, wrestlers one of the best grapplers in women's mma history but she's getting deep into her career here uh and the last fight that we saw from her, you know, just a head scratcher performance. I mean, she walked away with the split decision victory. Uh, I, I guess she was value. I, I don't know. I'm not rewatching that fight. Listen, uh, that's a good. It's a good litmus test. If anybody who, <laughs> if anybody who you're talking fights with this week, or is a capper or a better, if they say they rewatched that fight, bro, put them on a list because there is nothing. There's not a single thing that can that can be gained from watching that fight. It's irrelevant. I gained something. I gained something. What it was? You know what I gained? A surprise. Like, I felt Rose took her down kind of easy when she tried. It's like, would it be that crazy for Zhang? Not at all. To get on top Not of at her? all. Like, that, no, Zhang, right? Zhang can take her down. Yeah. I don't even remember that shit. Uh, Rose took her down. Um, so The fifth round, she took her down. Ozzy, be honest. How, you were probably mashing that fast forward button uh, through that fight. You know? I don't watch it. What do you mean? I watch it live. Unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> um, so. I mean, I mean, I still think Carla's the side, though. I mean, listen, guys, Zhang on her back in rounds four and five versus Rose, you know, atrocious. When she's in open space, if she's in the center of the cage, she has no idea how to get off of her back. No idea. And with her, you know, possibly slowing down as well, um, Carla has some five-round experience, five rounds in her last fight. Um, you know, didn't expend a whole lot of energy, but uh, I mean... This Carla, you know, one takedown and Zang could be flat on her back for four or five minutes. She could win a, a round off a takedown. So the fact that one takedown could be a round, um, you know, that's that means that Esparza is the side. And I think you got to be a little a little light that one. I think you got to go. I wouldn't honestly go more than a unit or a unit and a half. I think me, I'm only going to be going like a half or a quarter of a unit on Esparza because or I mean, a three quarters of a unit. Because, man, the physicality here is just the difference. I mean, Carla is kind of frail, a uh, frail, uh, weak lady. And Zhang is on all of China's finest supplements. And um, I don't know, man, I think it's probably Zhang's time to get her belt back. But just the fact that a challenger is minus, you know, 300 in the spot. Uh, and with a, such a glaring deficiency in Esparza's biggest strength, uh, a bit wild. So. Go Carla, uh, but I fully expect Zhang to win. Yeah, I'm. I'll tell you right now. I'm not betting. I decided this double again. I'm not betting on Carla because 
issue is like, and I was telling you this before, it's like how tentative she was against Broly. Not a good look. And how much of a crazy starter Zhang is in matching up with that is not great. And even if Carla is like more uh, aggressive here, like I feel like Zhang, if at any point, let's say early, Carla, you know, has success pushing her back, maybe grabs a leg, pushes her into the fence. If fucking Zhang is able to just, you know, do, do what she, she's going to be able to win in the clinch early is the point that I'm trying to make. And I think for Carla is going to have to be, you know, maybe she gets a takedown, maybe a takedown or two first, second, you know, round. And it's going to have to be the fact that Zhang gets so tired or has to get tired from trying to get up and trying to get it back or whatever it is that Carla could, you know, ends up in like the third or fourth round getting a takedown where she makes, you know, a good amount of headway and, you know, is able to get position, start grounding, pounding her, you know, hitting her, punching her, elbowing her, going for submissions maybe. I mean, she she has no submissions, but going for submissions a little bit. But I think Zhang's going to knock her out at some point. You know, maybe like a, you know, clinch, starting to clinch, maybe an uppercut, something like that. Because just Carla, she she kind of like turns away from some of these shots sometimes. Um, and a few of her wins, like, I mean, if you remember the Marina win, like, it's kind of girls making dumb mistakes with the grappling. But I will say, when you're such a better grappler than other than your opponent, you let them do stuff that is that you know you're going to be able to escape and get on top of them. Which, you know, might be something that, you know, happens with Carla and could be something like, like the same, similar thing with like, uh, uh, John going for Rose's back and Rose using it to get on top, you know, smart grapplers, they do that. And then they kind of, and then you're like, fuck, like I shouldn't have gone for that submission or that position or whatever it is. I see what you mean. But I just, yeah. I, I just don't believe in Carla though. At the end of the day, beating John over a, you know, 25 minute fight. Um, same thing that I was saying, I think with, uh, the Aaron fight. At what point do you get these takedowns, and especially these uh, female fights as well? I think is very important, and I don't think Zhang is being taken down super early in any of these rounds. And again, the tentativeness that this girl showed, Carla, in the Rose fight, I just don't didn't like it. Like I just hated it. So you're telling me she's gonna be like super confident to get in that kitchen with Wei Li Zhang and you know smell some of that Chinese food? I don't think so. So Wei Li Zhang will get the belt back, I believe. And the crowd is way behind Wei Lee here uh, for, for what and Carla Carla's pretty stupid uh, for thinking that people wouldn't hate her for that last fight. <laughs> that fight was fucking We don't hate her. Good. Plus 185. Cash it. I don't hate her, but a lot of people do. So uh, they don't, not they hate her. It's just they're not excited to see her. They're like, Come right. On, how could you? Um, you know what they're, they're probably really dying to see is the documentary about uh, Rose Namajunas' tough upbringing uh, coming out on Fight Pass real soon. Um, all right, main event time. Uh, we're going along on the podcast. Well, we got good fights, but guys, you, you guys know this. The fight nights, we're going to be short and sweet. When the, when it's when it's pay-per-views and they're good matchups, we're going to dive into these fights because they deserve to be talked about and they're much more intriguing than the average fight night. So main event time, brand new uh, matchup in MMA here. We got Alex Pereira, the challenger, taking on Israel Adesanya, the reigning champion. A uh, big history between these two guys. Israel Adesanya minus 205. Uh, Alex Pereira plus 175. So the backstory here, well documented. These two fought in kickboxing two times. The first fight was uh, a decision win for Pereira. And the second fight was a, a third round knockout for Pereira. Uh, you know, 2-0 for Pereira. It doesn't really f- tell the full story because the first fight 
was a very competitive fight. And I believe the majority of people thought Israel Adesanya won that fight. And then the third fight, Israel Adesanya was winning the first two rounds of that fight before eventually getting caught with a big punch and knocked out uh, in the third round there. But those are big gloves. Those are a long time ago. That's a lot of muscle mass ago for Alex Pereira. I think he looks absolutely massive now compared to how he did i don't know if it's the camera angles because you know they're they're you know filming from far away and they don't have a good close-up maybe it was probably a lower weight class as well for Pereira, but he looks like he's gained like 30 pounds of muscle since that fight so um i believe it's your turn to start this one off after the little backstory there uh what are you thinking about this matchup really interesting fight i've literally watched i think Pereira versus strickland 20 times, I think I said, because I just think it's super interesting. And, you know, you kind of have to go off of a lot of, you know, what you have on the guy. And I was intrigued the fact that, you know, he kind of pot shotted, um, you know, Strickland a little bit, you know, moved his feet a lot through like 40, 40, 45 strikes and, you know, in half a round there. Um, and kind of the shot selection was just, you know, investing in the leg kicks, throwing jabs, you know, to the body um, and then touching Sean Strickland, you know, jabbing with him sometimes. So, you know, I'm, in, you know, I obviously I already bet some Izzy. I got Izzy, you know, some early lines here. Um, and I think he's going to win the fight. But, like, as it's gotten closer, I've been a little bit more, not just a little bit less confident, just thinking of, like, how, how Izzy's going to play it. Because I think if he jabs with Pereira, I think he'll have success. Because I feel like sometimes some of the jabs that Pereira's throwing out, like, he doesn't really care about them because he just wants to land left hooks and right you know right hands so i don't think they're very sharp i don't think sometimes they're um you know i think someone like is of izzy's caliber let's just say um is going to be able to kind of you know, ignore them a lot you know or, or quickly um so, and, and and land his own jab and land his own strikes like like he's been touching like he touched jared a lot um but overall on the feet i think it's kind of close you know here in terms of you know early on but I think Izzy has a big advantage um, as this fight goes into the later rounds, just because I think he's going to have uh, a lot of movement here. And I think he's going to uh, get Pereira to fight a little bit of a higher pace um, in terms of the movement uh, of kind of like getting towards him and, you know, g getting close to him and, you know, trying to threaten and, you know, uh, take the belt from the champion. So I think Izzy's going to be ahead on that, on the tactics of the fight. And then he just got to execute. Obviously he knows the strikes that he has to look out for. Um, I would look out for the kicks too of Pereira going to the body uh, heavily and investing in that. I think that's something that you didn't see in the Sean Strickland fight, but I think you will see with a guy who with a long torso and a southpaw stance like uh, Izzy, Izzy is in uh, often. So I look out for that. I would look out for um, if these guys going to hook with each other, right? You saw, the Whitaker fight when those guys hooked with each other is he was able to, you know, pull the, sh pull the shoulder back, close the door, uh, stay tight, you know, land his left hook and, you know, finish him there. Um, but Pereira obviously, you know, with that leaping left hook, he's definitely got to watch out for it and then watch out for the counter left hook as well. So I'm, I'm super interested. I think that, um, clinch game is in interesting here as well. Pereira, I thought looked offensively solid enough against Bruno Silva, you know, maybe defensively against a guy of the caliber of Izzy, it's probably not the best idea to hang out there all too much, but I think the, you know, we will see some clinch fighting here. You know, I wouldn't be surprised to see Alex actually look to like for like a trip or like something like that, maybe just because he is a bigger man, depending on how he feels in there, you know, with him, you know, just like an off balancing kind of thing, maybe like a trip to like, you know, throw, throw more strikes out and make the fight even more, um, 
even a little bit uh, even more high paced. But I think Izzy's in the pot shot a bit, throw these straight punches, uh, straight kicks down the middle, you know, end up uh, tiring out Pereira a little bit and then start kind of like, you know, pulling the head in the third and fourth rounds. And I do think a finish here is, 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 is there is potential for it, but I don't want to bet on, I wouldn't want to bet on the under, honestly, just because, you know, I think Izzy's in the win. But Izzy KO is a little attractive, but in his recent run is kind of making me cool on that. So I'm going to think about it more. So, so plenty of time to fight time. Very in- interesting fight. Um, but what do, you, what do you think about it? So I got Izzy to win for sure. Yeah, I got Izzy as well. Um, pretty big bet on one of the one of the bigger bets of the year. I think three units, uh, minus one sixty four. Uh, the difference in in MMA experience is really huge here, and I think a big part of it comes down to the footwork of MMA, and it's just going to be fought at a completely different pace and range as the kickboxing fights, and the kickboxing fights just favor. Perimor, it's a it's a significantly smaller uh ring, you know, compared to the to the big cage in the UFC. I mean the the square footage is honestly probably fifty percent bigger in the UFC cage. Uh so that's gonna be huge. And especially when you just consider the lack of experience Pereira has in MMA. And I think that's going to be big here because if Adesanya is is striking and retreating and, you know, doing a lot of uh, lateral movements, um, I just think Pereira is going to have a hard time tracking them down. He doesn't have proven like MMA footwork for, for tracking guys down. A lot of the fighters he's fought in MMA so far have been pretty willing to engage with him at striking range and you know kind of come forward to him and just give him a striking fight and is he's going to be much more tactical where he's going to come into range he's going to hit, hit him with some shots and he's going to get out of range and i just think he's going to do uh really well at limiting pocket exchanges here he's going to be leg kicking Pereira, uh and i just think that um we're going to be i think a prayer is just going to be kind of catch up the entire time i think that the speed advantage is on israel's side uh, footwork, uh, MMA experience, uh, experience in five round fights is big. Pereira did look good cardio wise in his one three round decision against um, Bruno Silva, uh, but man, I think you know even that fight, it, the striking exchanges in that fight, I don't think were that one sided as people expected. They did get pretty one sided late in the fight, um, but I, I just th- think he also doesn't have that touch of death power that some guys think he does. You know, when when uh, Sean Strickland is, you know, walking directly to him with his hands, you know, down and just giving him his chin on a silver platter. Sure, he's able to clip guys and hurt him. But he he landed some flush shots on on uh, Bruno Silva and wasn't, uh, you know, phasing him that badly. And Israel's eating some, eating some of his big punches as well. And uh, the last thing I'll say is that the the glove difference here is that if you watch their their fights um, in kickboxing, uh, uh, in terms of their boxing defense, Rare is much more. Uh, he has a high guard, right? He he uses those those big gloves to, to guard the head, and he he uses the high guard and he shells up, uh, and that's effective when you have those ten ounce gloves on. But with the the eight, the four ounce gloves, it's going to be a whole lot different. And the way that Adesanya uh, defends punches is he uses a lot more of his upper body movement, and he leans away from punches and he slips and dips under punches a lot more. And he's able to avoid the punches with upper body movement instead of relying on those gloves, those guard that guard to to block the punches. So I think that could be big. Here. And you know the the straight punches with the small gloves of Adesanya could be getting through, 
and uh, should have steady success here versus uh, versus Pereira. But it's an amazing matchup. It's a, a long time coming. You know, this was the UFC's plan all along, bringing Pereira in. They they built him in a in a slow but steady way. Obviously, they gave him a massive step up in competition in, in Sean Strickland, and he passed the flying colors as well as you could. You know, barely ate a shot, knocked him out in the first round, and they got their title fight. And it's an amazing title fight. It's a good story behind it. But I think this uh, this this final fight between them in MMA is pretty heavily in favor of uh, Adesanya here. Um, you know. Looking to see how it plays out uh, and seeing if will I'm they wrong. will they fight again? Will they fight again, Marsh? I don't think so. I don't think so. Um, this is the last one. Yeah, yeah. I don't even know if Pereira will stick around and like MMA that much longer. The guys, I love to see Pereira at two hundred five. I think Pereira doesn't Pereira been kickboxing for like 10, 15 years. Like these guys, yeah, but he got to get that money. He's, he's got to get that money, Marsh. He's thirty five. Made a mahogany. You talking about thirty five, bro? You know how good, how long mahogany stays good for? <laughs> don't they it, actually don't. It's a I, I I don't know much about it. Yeah, you don't have to <laughs> g- 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 teach me don't about know the, shit about mahogany. The wood, the wood. um, Ozzy, Ozzy, no, Ozzy knows his way around wood pretty well. <laughs> Hell yeah! All right, that's enough. That's enough about this card. Uh, best bet parlay time. I know what yours is gonna be. Let me hear you say it. Michael Chandler. Michael Chandler plus one ninety. I know it. Mine. It's gonna have to be. It's gonna have to be the hooker, the Daniel Hooker, oh, at minus one forty one. And listen, if we're oh, talking Lord. best bet, the one I'm most confident in, the one I have the most units on at the current price, the most value on it, Martian. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I, minus one. I would have said maybe right. Adesanya, but I bet him minus one sixty four. He's all the way down to two ten. There's no value there. Um, you? And you know, I, I see. Look, I'm giving Michael Chandler. Look, I think Michael Chandler is going to win the fight. Do yeah. I make him the favorite? Eh, not, but I think there's. There is much. I feel there is more minus four hundred upside in Michael Chandler than there is on Dustin Poirier's side. Mm, yeah, I think it's close. That's how I but, feel. Um, yeah, I have guys like I'm gonna th- probably bet a unit on like uh, like Arce and Turman. I like those prices, but I, I the one I, I think like to that. have the best value is Daniel Hooker minus one forty one plus one ninety comes out to plus three ninety six on Bet Online. Need this one. Let's go three ninety six. This is key. This is come key. on, boys. I'm gonna have a lot. Well, uh, a lot of, I'm gonna have a lot of action on this card. I'm gonna have probably like. 20. So my my guy knocked out your guy. Hopefully they knock out their other guys. Ooh, oh, that's right. That's right. Yeah. Um, I was confused for a second there, but um, that's enough. The long podcast about an hour forty five. Thank you all for listening. Hope you all got some good information and uh, any closing thoughts, Ozzy. Not at all. Let's get it. Sounds good. All right. Well, MSG this Saturday, great card top to bottom. Hope you all enjoy the fights. Thank you all for listening. Hope you all win some bets, and we'll see you before next week's UFC card. Peace out, everyone.